whenever you're ready. And should I look there or anywhere? Institute. 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 Yeah, it's uh, in situ. In situ. In situ. In situ. That is so good. In situ. In situ. In situ. In situ. Okay, so in situ. Institu is the name of the European platform for artistic creation in public space. Led by Lieu Public, we are based in Marseille, France, and in this podcast you will hear the voices of our members who live and work all across Europe. In this special episode, we are traveling to Pristina, the capital city of Kosovo. We have invited Florent Memeti, the director of Oda Theatre, and Laura Limani, their associate citizen, to discuss the unique cultural landscape of Pristina. The Institu Hat House, a gathering of 20 emerging artists and about 50 participants, will be hosted there in April 2003 by our partner Oda Theatre. This conversation was recorded remotely from behind our computers, so we asked both participants to start with a presentation of themselves. I'm Lura Limani and I am an Institute Associate Citizen um, and also a freelance writer, editor and a civil society activist from Pristina, Kosovo. Uh, I have been part of the network since, well, last year, I guess. Um, and I was very kindly invited by Oda um, for this part of Institute to actually contribute to the network kind of as a local, as a native informant for the artistic work that is being done as part of the Institute network and for um, for the hothouse and other events that are going to happen in Pristina. My name is Florent Mehmeti and I'm the, one of the founders and director of Oda Theatre, which is one of the Institute partners. And yeah, I have, uh, uh, I've, I was very happy actually to be in a position and to to, to be hosting this event for um, mostly the reason of being able to host, uh, in this case, 20 different emerging artists of the, of the network and be able to also uh, host them in a country which is uh, in kind of a periphery of Europe, but also in a periphery of uh, European membership of the, of the Institute, which I think makes it a, a little bit more intriguing and interesting place to be for all of us as partners, first of all, and then as, uh, as artists with whom we want to work in the future and with whom it's our first actually meeting point where we want to unfold uh, the project, we want to unfold their uh, concepts, desires and uh, all they want to say and create in public space. Uh, so in this context, uh, yeah, I'm very happy to be hosting I think the largest hot house ever organized by Institute in terms of numbers. For me personally, when we were discussing um, the next hot house, the next event of Institute in Pristina, and we were discussing this with Florent, I think it was like really his idea that what would be really interesting is to show people who are coming to Pristina exactly how vibrant the cultural scene is because of this lack of written reporting. There is not a lot of ways to access that cultural scene. Um, so, of course, last year, Cristina hosted the Manifesta Biennale. So there was some artistic reviews and some writings about Cristina. But then again, a lot of them focused on international uh, artists. And a lot of these articles also focused on um, 
focused on the war and the like post-war landscape. So I feel like there's a lot to be said about Pristina that hasn't been and is not accessible. And this is maybe like one of the main reasons why in our preliminary talks, we were like thinking of writing a couple of pieces or doing a lot, a couple of pieces that focus both on the past and the present cultural scene. One of the pieces will focus on uh, Florence himself, because besides being one of the founders of Oda, besides being one of the, the founders of Hapu Festival, he has been um, he has been such a kind of vital uh, actor, sort of personality in the cultural scene in Kosovo since the 90s. And he has also done a very excellent uh, walking tour, audio walking tour that exemplifies his experience growing up in the 90s and becoming part of this cultural scene, which connects a lot to how public space is really always kind of mediated and, uh, you know, struggled for. It needs to be reclaimed and needs to be rewritten. And so that's going to be the first piece. And then the second piece will focus more on the current or like kind of the blooming indie scene, which will focus on a foundation that is becoming both like a cultural arts residence, um, a project space, a work co-working space for artists, as well as an organization that promotes public art. So uh, we're going to talk to hopefully Ayete and Nita from Foundation 17. And finally, uh, for the third piece, uh, we were thinking to interview two artists and designers who are very much uh, focused on upcycling materials and promoting uh, basically sustainable design. And those are the two founders of Duvo, um, Gzimi and Nikim. So like these are kind of, they're not your usual kind of suspects when it comes to artists and they're working from very different sort of fields. But I think they, all of these sort of, all of these three pieces might express a very good picture or landscape of where Pristina has been in the past and is now. Oda Theatre is an independent cultural organization founded in 2003. So this year we're celebrating our 20th anniversary uh, of existence. And it, uh, it's, it's part of a cultural landscape in the country of the independent part uh, that is the, the most vibrant actually uh, part of the, of the culture scene in the country. And it's one of the early players, uh, so to say, Although uh, at the time when we created ODA, I really hope that this uh, kind of initiatives will, will be multiplied, but unfortunately we still remain uh, the only theater in the country with its own space and regular program in terms of independent theater organizations. Uh, so the, the, the scene of the independent cultural organizations is not that small, but it's more uh, with other organizations intervening and having projects and programs in different culture fields. We are more specialized in new contemporary writing, running a theatrical season. Uh, recently we are collaborating with another uh, theater organization called Chandra Multimedia and we run a joint program since two, two years in our regular theater season. But uh, we also work largely in the, in, in the domain of the public space, where the most of our work is concentrated through our institute partnership. And for within that scope, we have a small festival that functions as a showcase, as a, as a small point of our uh, workly year in public space, where we 
feature European artist uh, working in public space, mainly uh, in-situ artist. And then at the same time, it's a, it's a small stop for our Kosovo artists working in public space that we introduced to the network and we introduced to, um, to the partnership and to the European stage for artistic creation in public space. Well, it's interesting because I think I mostly know Oda as, you know, just a theater attendee initially. And of course, Oda has played such a vital part in the indie scene, not only as a theater, but also as a venue of very subcultural events. And particularly, I mean, I might like to add that Oda was one of the first few places that um, organized or at least hosted uh, drag shows and queer nights in Pristina. So I feel like there's... Um, Fundamentally, I see Oda as one of the kind of the most interesting cultural uh, organizations that have changed a lot what the cultural landscape could have looked like in Pristina in the past 20 years. In terms of the indie scene, um, my understanding is that Kosovo's artists like have developed in multiple kind of strands of thoughts and multiple uh, also trajectories of places. So depending on what kind of field of cultural work we're talking about. I feel like there are different layers of political engagement, but absolutely, um, I do believe that particularly in film and in theater, we've seen a lot of direct engagement with the most recent past and the political repercussions of it. And it's not, um, and I believe that it's never done in a very didactic or simplistic way. So I think that as kind of a cultural scene, considering that it's only been 20, 20 few years since the Kosovo war, we've managed to kind of produce really quite uh, artistically um, achieved, artistically successful uh, films and uh, plays. And in terms of visual arts as well, like I think a lot of the new and younger visual artists, despite that they... Um, they experiment with different forms. I believe that they are responding to their context and that context has much changed. And as Janet mentioned earlier, like, for example, he started his uh, audio tour because that past is not only unrecognizable for foreigners who come to visit Pristina and the tourist numbers are always increasing, but it's also unrecognizable to younger generations of Kosovars that have been born since or just before the Kosovo War and have no direct experience of the 90s of the um, or don't remember the war period or immediate post-war period. Um, and in, in many ways, I believe that the context now has also shifted in terms of like you see more artists being kind of involved with identity politics, identity issues involved with, you know, environment, pollution. And I think that in that sense, this is definitely political but not in the kind of sense that perhaps the 90s were, where it was more about human rights and your ability to, you know, express your national identity at all in public or anywhere. I think a starting position is not to take things for granted, to, uh, to understand that uh, you are entering a, a cultural world where uh, not not everything is as it seems that not all I'm, I'm talking now more about the public space and that the public space is I would say heavily charged if I can say that and when I say charged is because in these spaces in these common spaces uh, a lot of turmoil was happening a lot of 
meeting point actually even nowadays to to protest so largely public space is considered as a as a common space to come together and uh create an activism create create something that we want to all jointly speak out and louder against something that we are not happy with against something that we in the past that against something that we had to really uh heavily uh, resist in a way and these challenges has reflected a lot also in my work when I, when i program artistic creations in public space because in the minds of the citizens it's really if i can put it in in this way the public space it's a corridor it's a place for to go from point a to b and not really a a place of living let's say of temporary living a place where where you could really uh create also different meeting points if you like in terms of so this was a challenge also to kind of rewrite the public space in terms of uh retransforming it uh through the the concepts of the artists that i invited in the in the programs through the concepts of the artists that i helped and and i have uh tutored in a way in in, in terms of uh new creations and i'm primarily talking about kosovo artists and uh with all this uh initiatives and with all this uh challenges we i wanted to really uh build another layer of the of the public space in the contemporary kosovo in order to uh celebrate more our citizens common space to celebrate more uh the the value of it and the the value of not only uh meeting but also of the value of the public space as a co-creation playground between the artist and the citizens in general since the immediate post war period in kosovo there was a large battle with privatization of publicly or socially owned enterprises and so a lot of the kind of cultural spaces that existed during communism uh, uh such as like cultural houses cinemas you name it were immediately either privatized or transformed into commercial spaces so a lot of the kind of activism cultural activism that has happened since then is our attempt to keep those spaces from commercial use and to return them for the kind of public uh use and in terms of kosovo i think one of kind of the biggest examples in this has been the very kind of vocal um campaign to save the cinema Lombardi in Prizren and I'm more familiar with it because I uh, serve on the board of the Lombardi Foundation and I have been kind of I've been following and been part of the campaign since it's kind of started maybe uh in 2014-15 it was originally started from kind of activists from Prizren uh the Dokufest International Film Festival who were trying to save the kind of um the demolition of the 70 year old cinema in the city from being turned into a parking lot or maybe like a mall so there was a lot of conflict between so commercial interests the the local municipal uh governance until finally activists managed to put the building in the list of protected monuments and so this is one example and until now so since 2015 um until today what 
activists and what uh, the people who manage it and who work at the foundation have been trying to do is actually restore it with EU money and kind of turn it into a fully capable, not only a cinema, but cultural center that will have multiple venues and can actually host uh, cinema, theater, concerts, you name it. And this has been, it has been doing in its limited uh, space and in the way that it's structured now, but of course it needs kind of revitalization. And so Dumbardi is like the fight for Dumbardi and kind of, which at some point gathered activists from all over and even involved the then Albanian prime minister, Edi Roma, to come to prison and, you know, vouch for this campaign, um, shows a bit like what kind of the biggest uh, sort of underlying struggle has been when it comes to uh, culture versus private interests in Kosovo, which is that we've seen very quickly public and common spaces that were actually uh, meant for cultural activities turned into commercial spaces. And this is kind of something that we need to continue working on and fighting for, because obviously the battle is not done. There's a lot of spaces that are still under privatization processes or in contestation processes, or a lot of spaces that are being rented. Like for example, the oldest cinema in Pristina, it has been turned into like this uh, zombie building that has been rented out room by room to different companies. And the main uh, cinema room, which was the biggest in Pristina at the time, has been completely ripped apart. So, and this is very sad on one level, and it is also telling how sometimes activism fails in Kosovo, and sometimes it functions well if it's more rooted in kind of local and small communities. Um, so I think what is really important for any visitor, but also like the younger people who are just coming across these kind of cultural spaces that have been marked for the past 20 years is to understand that there is absolutely like a struggle going on to kind of repurpose, revitalize older spaces that were considered for culture and to actually make our public institutions accountable to support uh, spaces that do provide the public with the necessary uh, cultural activities that are not only like there for entertainment, but also just general uh, emancipation and education and actually being part of the larger public conversation. So, um, and I think Teatri Oda as well is one of the key of those, and Ferran can talk a bit about more about this because Oda is also based in a very amazing landmark building in Pristina, the Palace of Youth and Sports, and it's this is, again, a publicly owned building, which has not, you know, um, which is now managed by the municipality, if I'm not mistaken, Ferrand, right? Uh, and basically the municipality has been kind of not uh, keeping its end of the bargain for a couple of years now when it comes to renovating uh, the theater, which has been, you know, as I said earlier in the beginning of this talk, one of like the biggest staple actors in our independent scene. So in that aspect, we are lucky, but uh, then as, as Lura said, we were also, as very often happens in Kosovo, so the transition between the local governments also stopped this process of renovation of, of our space, which was initiated by the previous government. And we are again now in a never-ending <laughs> battle and never-ending uh, lobbying activities to try and pursue the city of Pristina to really invest basically on their own space, because it's, it's their space. We are here uh, to manage and create an artistic program. And for the city of Pristina, if we don't 
count for a moment the national theater which is coming from the national level we are actually the only adult theater in the municipality uh, that is creating program Pristina municipality has another theater but is mainly orientated towards puppet theater for children and this normally in a normal <laughs> circumstances should be a very you know high interest and a very uh, priority policy to really uh, take care and look after a space which, which serves the vast majority of its citizens with a theatrical program, but not only a theatrical program. As Lura said, we run a, a program here also with other events that are very often dedicated to young and emerging artists creating and performing arts, to more marginalized groups as, as, as LGBT communities that, that traditionally have had the uh, events being held in Oda as they feel much more welcome than any, anywhere else, and so to say, they feel like they're in own home, yeah? And uh, also a lot, uh, a number of, of other events, such as festivals happening traditionally, for example, a FemArt festival that is a feminist festival happening in our space. In the past, we had an international jazz festival that was regularly happening, or, you know, it's a lot of events, not to really mention all of them, but Oda uh, has, has served with its best of capacities that it could as a hub to really open the doors to to young and emerging more marginalized and more fragile groups that that didn't have more opportunities or much opportunities where else to conduct their activities and where else to develop really their uh, their cultural work and it i mean i have to be sincere it's not always uh, a lack of support from the local government is more a result of very hectic and non-organized and not very clear cultural policies that has led to uh, to a functional low support in a way by this i mean even nowadays that we uh, we get in the last year the the support increased because of the, some shifting policies to recognize the role of the of a number of independent cultural organizations that were granted uh, organizational support, yearly organizational support, and one of them is also ODA by the Ministry of Culture in this case. But our other means and ways of working of, of, of the very problematic uh, public administration that we have, that there are, for example, big big delays in terms of we never know when the when the uh, calls will be announced. We never know when we're going to get to sign the contract. So basically, you cannot plan. You never know really. Uh, how much or if you'll get support because sometimes they can be very bureaucratic and you never you know these commissions function very very differently in uh, uh, in this uh, response to the calls and sometimes you get big surprises <laughs> on how they treat our application and, and whatsoever but it was yeah it was a unavoided life actually for us it, it was the way we could function the other uh, the other solution was just to stop and, and stay home. <laughs> we are officially members uh, in the cooperation project since 2011, but the initial context started uh, as back as in 2009, where at that time we had uh, we have been approached by uh, by the institute coordinator uh, Jean Sebastian Steele, which was coordinating the network at that time. An institute was uh, a member of informal European Theatre Meeting, which is the largest contemporary theatre network in uh, Europe which we are also very old members. So we are members since the creation of ODA actually in ITM. So the ITM has served us as a hub to really meet with each other. And when I was invited to some of the activities 
of institute to uh, to start this love affair <laughs> uh, between us until we officially joined the program in 2011. For me, it's been a very interesting experience because, as I said, it's um, I see my purpose here as more of a mediator or like a a person who can provide some input for the organizers and the um, partners, the artists, but obviously there's no real expectation from the citizens to, well, we're not expected to produce any projects or anything like that. So we are kind of the, almost a testing audience, um, the real people on the ground who might experience the effects and mirror back, like feedback to the institute network about what their work is achieving on the ground in the many contexts that it, the network operates and the many festivals that are part of it and the many artistic practices that are developed through it. So in, in that sense, I think I'm quite a novice, um, particularly considering the very long history of Institu and haven't had the chance to meet a lot of the partners and the artists. I noticed that there are like really deep connections between uh, the partnering organizations. And so it's quite an interesting um, approach to support arts in this kind of very long, despite that the project cycles are not very long, I feel like the partnerships are there and kind of a long-term um, relationships that have served to build a very pan-European network of just supportive uh, practices. Kosovo citizens do still need a visa to travel to Schengen areas. And this, uh, this has created a lot of obstacles also when it comes to mobility of the artistic work, especially when we had to, uh, to work with Kosovo artists and, and working abroad. But this is also very deeply a politicized, politicized theme, actually, uh, when it comes to the relationship of uh, Kosovo with EU, with the, with the peace negotiations between Kosovo and Serbia that are mediated by uh, European Union and United States in this aspect. So technically speaking, the, all, all the countries of the Western Balkans have already visa-free regime with uh, Schengen areas. And this is a reality, correct me if I'm wrong, Lura, but something like five years ago, the last country. And for a very odd reason, a very small country of 1.8 million has been, uh, which is a suburb of Paris or, uh, you know, it's a very small country, a small number of people uh, that have been denied this, uh, this free movement right, actually. Uh, and now it's almost coming to an end era because there is a decision which majority of the Kosovar citizens still don't believe in. It's a decision that uh, Kosovo, is, as of 1st of January 2024, will gain the visa-free uh, movement. It has been such a long... Uh, period of this uh, visa-free regime that was used a lot at the political level as a, as a policy of the, of the, what I call, stick and carrot, which was heavily used in the talks between Kosovo and Serbia, where at the certain political momentums Kosovo was uh, promised and then at the same time not happening, and then all the difficult relationship that Kosovo has with the EU because the, we still have a five non-recognizing countries of the European Union that didn't recognize Kosovo as a country. And this is Spain, Greece, Slovakia, Cyprus, and Romania, which creates sometimes very difficult political decision-making within the European U Union in relationship to Kosovo. And then this was used 
uh, as I said, very often in the political levels and in political talks. But for the people on the ground, it meant uh, very often life, life, uh, life troubling circumstances. You know, we have had fates of many basketball players or sports players that lost their life chance to join a, you know, a professional team because of all this relationship. Our, in, our, in our projects, we very often had that we, we were sending two artists to a joint project together. And for the very same invitation, one was granted a visa, another was not. Without, I mean, and the embassies are very harsh on that. They don't even give you explanations. Uh, so it's time-consuming, costing... And then at the psychological level is very depressing for the for the normal uh, people because uh, uh, sometimes they just it's easier to just abort an initiative than to go especially when it's a small time frame or um, or very limited resources and then you basically just cannot do it you don't do an international exchange or international project because of uh, all these obstacles. I think that the one-week event will be really a good option to explore um, Kosovo as one of kind of the smaller countries in the region, but definitely that has, it really encapsulates well a lot of cultural influences that are um, seen in most of the region. And at the same time, unlike many other places in the region, it has an absolute international flair so one thing that everyone should be really prepared for is how at home they will feel. Uh, basically, everyone you will meet in Pristina will either speak German or English or both and um, will probably know a bit of French as well and everyone will be super hospitable. I, I also think that this, this will be a very inspiring week of, of all the people that we are hosting end of April and especially the artists, and I really hope that they, they go back with taking something very valuable from this, uh, let's call it an interesting, vibrant, and as Lura put it, an internationally uh, connected, in a weird way, cultural scene in, in Kosovo, and take this as inspiration back home to really further the, uh, to, 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 to go deeper into the artistic uh, yeah, experiments, into the artistic research uh, about the work as we all know in situ we are uh, mostly talking about cross-border uh, collaborations and in this aspect the word border has a lot to be discovered actually in Kosovo and not only in the in the physical sense of bordering but also in, in all this uh, visible and invisible walls as, as we call them in one of our projects that was called invisible walls that was part of the institute portfolio and it's really uh, an inspiring place to uh, to discover and rediscover actually the ways of how we can tumble down these invisible walls especially uh, when it comes to the yeah, intercultural exchange and intercultural uh, dialogue and, and common work at the international level Feriel Rally has been coordinating this podcast and Jeanne Robert has been editing it. This podcast is co-funded by the Creative Europe Programme of the European Union. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed the conversation.